When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to our Friday Free Agency Roundtable. Today, it's Mary Kay, Doug, Ellis, and me. We are going to look at the Brown signing of Troy Hill, how the secondary room shakes out. We take a look at the offensive playmakers now that Rashard Higgins is in the fold and how the Browns will manage all of those guys who are going to want the football. Talk a little bit about linebackers and even get into a 17th game, which is likely coming to the NFL. So uh, give it a listen here. It is our Friday roundtable on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast, wrapping up a week of roundtables. A lot of good things people have said to us about these roundtables. They've really been enjoying them. So For real? Talk. Yes, I've seen... Some of our texters have said they've loved the roundtables. I had somebody tweet me that they liked the roundtables. It's a very small sample size. It's, you know, like one or two people here and there, but I just assume they speak for a lot of people. So good things about the roundtables. If you like the roundtables, give us a five-star review and tell us. That's what we want here on the Apple Podcast Store. All right, let's get to it. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple positions and how they're shaking out here. And we're just going to start with the really big one. And that's Troy Hill. The Browns sign him another rating of the Rams secondary. And so I guess this gives us a little bit of clarity, a little bit as to how that, that secondary room looks and as to how that defensive backfield is going to look. Mary Kay, let's start with you. Although I do have to say, I did have Troy Hill in my, how the Browns can win. Start with yourself. What are you talking about? Victory lap time. Victory lap. You're right. I don't get to do many victory laps because I'm usually wrong, but I had Troy Hill. I said, Troy Hill is the guy to sign. I had him at six. I had him somewhere around $6 million for two years, not four, but every NFL deal is essentially a two-year deal. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that one too. Uh, Two years, about six and a half million. I loved his versatility. I thought he was exactly the type of guy the Browns would want to replace Kevin Johnson. And so there we go. And Kevin Johnson signs elsewhere today too. There's my victory lap. Mary Kay, Troy Hill. Where does he fit? Is, is is he for sure the nickel? Well, first of all, I will be having, I've been digging into the numbers a little bit, okay? So I will be having a little bit more information on the contract and the numbers probably tomorrow. I'm still trying to make sure that I have it right. But I don't think that uh, that the initial numbers that we have seen are what the numbers really are. And I think when the actual numbers come out and I'm able to kind of put that into a little bit of perspective, I think we'll have a better idea 
of what his role may be. And I think that initially the thought is bring him in and throw him in there to replace Kevin Johnson as the starting nickel cornerback. Of course, we spent tons of time on this last night. We're prescient. And as, as you know, Dan got to take his victory lap there. Uh, but we, we talked plenty about a nickel corner, a, a versatile corner that can play inside, outside. Uh, we had a lot, a lot of thoughts on that yesterday. And it was kind of timely because they actually did uh, what we kind of thought they would do. They added a cornerback and they added one that can play inside and outside. But the initial plan is to play him at nickel corner. And he is the Kevin Johnson of 2021. But as we talked about last night, so vitally important is when you have Greedy Williams coming off nerve damage, when you have Denzel Ward, who usually has a little bit of a soft tissue injury here or there or something that that could keep him out three or four games, you're going to need somebody to start on the outside as well. So I do think he probably will start some games on the outside, but I don't think that's the initial plan. I think when you would first see you know, four years, $24 million, you think, my goodness, he's the new starting quarterback opposite Denzel Ward. I think that's going too far. I think he's the nickel corner for now. Scott Pasco's not here, so I'm looking at numbers. <laughs> he, last year, he had 12 games where he played more snaps in the slot. He had five games where he played more snaps outside. And in their last playoff game, it was basically even. I think he played 32 snaps in the slot and 22 snaps outside. So as Mary Kay said, this is like the exact guy we were talking about last night. I think Ellis said his name last night. Ellis also gets a victory lap here. He was on Troy. You guys both were dancing around Troy Hill because he is what we're talking about. Then I think he's the starting nickel. But if Greedy can't go, I think he's the star. I think he's Greedy's replacement. So it's perfect. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're spending too much time this offseason praising their moves. Everything just fits together. But I think he is a greedy hedge, but who's not only a greedy hedge because he, there are many, many snaps for him on the field if greedy's healthy. So I don't, we were saying last night, well, how do you find these guys? Well, I want a, a guy who can start outside, but if he's not starting outside, he can start inside. It's like, all right, well, who, who? And it's like, well, him. I, I didn't know who he was. But him, it's him. And I think there's, again, it's double value. Greedy hedge, starter inside, it just fits. Ellis, take your victory lap. You deserve one too. You mentioned him, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago even. Yeah, to me, this is a guy that I've liked for a couple years now. Uh, The Rams just always being on TV. He popped in 2019 filling in to replace Akeem Tlaib at times and really started, really, I think it was the final nine games of that 2019 season playing for Wade Phillips. Uh, just a corner that is quick twitch moves well in a small area. And then in 2020, he really started popping in the slot when Brandon Staley, who because of the John Johnson, both round tables and got to watch the tape, pods we've done I feel like I've been talking about Brandon Staley uh, more than I have Kevin Stefanski or Joe Woods but Brandon Staley uh, the Rams one year defensive coordinator now head coach at the Chargers comes to Los Angeles sees Troy Hill's skill set and decides to move him inside because of his value that he has again a lot like John Johnson suffocating the middle being able to play those twitchier receivers and putting really more on his plate than he had at outside. And 
we're going to circle probably back to a market efficiency conversation here because of I read something interesting about Troy Hill's transition a while back and remember recalling it now. He was a little hesitant to switch to inside corner after having such a good end to his 2019 season. Pro Football Focus rated him in their top uh, 15 corners for uh, going into the, the 2020 season. He made that name for himself in, in a way outside. And, and one thing we got to keep in mind too here about Troy Hill is this is a six-year pro. He'll be 30 in August. You know, this isn't the the 25-year-old signing that the Browns have done with John Johnson and Tack McKinley. This guy is, for the most overused phrase during free agency and, and the springtime of the NFL season, soon to be on the wrong side of 30. It's important to keep in mind, when he made that switch, he had a slow start to his year. PFF had him... Uh, 57, 52, and 32 grades in week one through three. Now that could just be him learning that new spot and a new defensive coordinator. It probably is because then as that defense gets figured out, he starts to man the slot. So he impressed me for exactly what, Dan, you brought up yesterday, Mary Kay, you've been raving on. And really what Doug said last night was, I just want a better version of Kevin Johnson. And that's exactly what I saw him be in 2019 when he was playing outside. And then in 2020, as he started really growing into that role, Brandon Saley carved out for him. So there are some question marks that I'm sure we're going to get into, but for the, what the Browns need, he makes a lot of sense. He's not going to be this game changing player, but if he's a guy, you don't notice a whole often or is getting targeted across the middle field and teams decide, all right, that's not an option anymore. That's the role he'll serve. And that's again, exactly what the Browns needed as Kevin Johnson and other corners too. Desmond King signed around the same time that that cornerback market, we saw two, three guys go right off the board right around the same time. This Troy Hill stuff happened. Brandon Staley's from Perry, Ohio, man. We got to get him on the podcast and have him talk <laughs> about John Johnson and, and Hill. I mean, like we've got, it's, these are his guys. He's, he set the Browns up. Thanks, man. He won't be too bad. He won't be allowed to talk about players that are on another football team. Unfortunately, oh, guys, this is guys I NFL rules. I, I want to say this though, about the whole slot and outside corner thing, you know, Doug, you, you were throwing out the numbers from last year and, and I kind of went back and looked earlier that he has been predominantly an outside corner in his career up until last year. And Ellis, that's kind of what you were talking about with that transition. And so you look at the money and you look at how much they're paying him. And certainly he is coming here to be a slot corner. Uh, and, and that, but I threw out on Twitter that, listen, there is a scenario and Doug, maybe this goes with your greedy hedge thing. If he's the best guy as your number two corner, he could still end up there. And I think that's why this is such an interesting signing because maybe you don't want another five foot 11 guy as your second corner. That's not ideal, but you know, there was a time last year when I thought Kevin Johnson might end up as the number two corner. Then he lacerates his liver and his season kind of goes off the rails and now, and now he's playing someplace else. I, I just wouldn't, unless the Browns go out and like bring in JC Jackson, like I said yesterday, or, or bring in an obvious, this is the number two corner guy. I wouldn't write anyone outside of Denzel Ward in pen in any position, because I think training camp could kind of offer some clarity as where guys go, because if he shows you, He's the best guy and greedy Williams isn't ready. And there's not another guy that can play outside. He could end up being your week one starter outside, even if that's not what he's being signed to do. 
You know, you're exactly right about you're exactly right about that, Dan. And that's why they had to do what they did and why it makes more sense then than the the thought that I had. I actually had Brian Poole and Troy Hill next to each other. I wrote down all the statistics for both guys. I looked at both over and over and I wanted to put one of them in my free agency little the way that they could win it. One of the reasons why I ended up putting Brian Poole instead of Troy Hill was the fact that, as uh, Ellis mentioned, he is going to be turning 30 in August. And it was for me, it was just an age thing. But I mean, it does make sense to, you know, to have somebody that can start on the outside because they added their sort of Terrence Mitchell and they added their Kevin Johnson. So they do have their guy. But I was a little concerned about a 30-year-old cornerback. They do start to, you never really quite know exactly uh, when they're going to kind of start to decline. And those are the positions where you still, obviously, you need your speed and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully for the Browns, hopefully for him, uh, he'll come back here. He's from Youngstown, Ohio. He'll be all energized and excited and enthused, and he'll play like he's 26 again. Uh, but that was one of the things that, that the thoughts that I had, the other thing that, that jumped to my mind was as I was writing the story and getting ready to come on this pod, Kyle Fuller gets let go. Now, of course, they don't have a S ton of money to be going out and signing the Kyle Fullers of the world. I know that, but when a Kyle Fuller becomes available, it makes me think, wow, wouldn't it be something to have a Kyle Fuller on the roster that could possibly start again, uh, opposite Denzel Ward in the event also, or, you know, then you would have a good problem to have greedy Kyle, all pro and Denzel. A boatload of money. Yeah. I wonder how much he, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure he'll go for a, for a bunch of money. I'm sure he'll go for a bunch of money. But would it be worth it? Would it be worth it, right? I mean, if you can buy a really nice shirt that you're going to wear every day for the next three years and you absolutely love it and it's your favorite shirt and you spend the extra money on it or you buy one that, eh, I don't know if I love it, but I'm going to buy it. I wonder though, so I don't want to have, we don't need to have the same salary cap debate we had the other night. My guess would be, I think the Browns think the cap is at least a little bit real. I think they are operating that way. And I know Ellis and Mary Kay, you think maybe it's not right. I mean, I think, Oh, I, I, I never, mean, no, no, no. I don't feel like that. No, but then, I, like I mean, that. like why, well, why Troy Hill instead of, instead of Fuller's like, well, okay. I mean, I, I think cause they're trying to fit pieces together. I just think they, they must be taking that into consideration that they think this guy at this price. And again, whatever's being reported, Mary Kay, you're saying you think it's less, we don't need to have that decision, that, that debate again. Right. But I do think, so the, about the age, one thing is, I don't think you want a whole team of 25-year-old guys. You need a couple 30-year-old guys. Now, I don't know what he's like. I don't know if he's going to be a leader or whatever, but I do think you need to sprinkle in some variety. So I'm good with a 30-year-old guy. Also, and I'm sure this matters to them. I am sure this matters to them and the way they track stuff. Last year, he played 1,100 snaps. His previous five years in the league, he played 1,686 snaps combined. 
So it's this guy's been in the league for six years. He's played like two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, and I know Ellis has some thoughts on this. It's like, well, okay, now you're paying a guy who I'm how sure are you about this guy? He's only really a one year starter. On the other hand, if you really believe he's good, his body's not worn down. He's fresher than many other six year veterans. If you have guys who might've had 6,000 snaps by now, and he's at like 2,700, I'm sure that matters to them when they think about a guy this age. I wonder where the freshness are. This is, this is like super like medical and analytically driven, but it just makes me wonder like your argument about not having the wear and tear, like for a running back that, makes a lot of sense i wonder if as you age you lose that quick twitch and that burst bef- rather than the wear and tear mattering i'm not saying you're wrong it's just a, a, a brief thought i had there it made me curious quickly on the kyle fuller thing because i agree with you doug i think the browns are very conscious of the cap and probably more so because of all the looming extensions they have knowing the guys the big money than just saying all right we're not going to spend i think mary Kay made a really good point the other night though where it's like well, they were trying to offer Jadavion all this money and they were. So it's like, which one happened? Was it some denials, them keeping the extensions in mind, so on and so forth. Because I think a lot of this comes down to timing. And that's the same thing I'm going to say about Kyle Fuller is the Browns may have just got caught in, like, I don't know who know who knew what, when Mary Kay, perhaps you can answer that, but it's like, if you're just following the Twitter timeline, it's these that's run a cornerback signings happens before the Kyle Fuller news. And then you got, the Bears safety Eddie Jackson tweeting at this point with a face palm and on the dark net wares of Twitter stuff about Allen Robinson wanting out of there. I mean, it is a mess in Chicago right now. Browns fans be grateful that you have, you're getting universal praise for your GM rather than what the bears are going through. My point is I think that this lines up just in the timing of it all that perhaps the Browns were leaders in that, cornerback market like like Mary Kay I wonder if this is something you're tracking was Kevin Johnson like waiting to come back here and then once the Browns decide all right they're going after Troy Hill then Kevin Johnson signs like it seemed like it was a domino effect in that way so if the Browns are leading the market there in the slot corner game then Kyle Fuller becoming available is just a situation of, of timing and consequence I wonder also about the years on this Mary Kay is that one thing you're not questioning is the years of the deal it's just the no. money no it's it's both it's both okay see and that's probably more it, probably more so the years like if there's like two voidable years I mean like I said every contract in the NFL yeah. is a two-year contract yeah. essentially. It, it, it's both it's both so it, it, it'll change the it'll change the perception of it a little bit but you guys know by now that I am a little bit of a sucker for uh, and it's it's probably dumb. I, if I were running a football team, I would be like just handing out double digit millions to all kinds of big name, flashy guys. You know, I don't have the uh, the same restraint that Andrew Barry does. So I'm sitting there writing my story. I'm like two time Pro Bowl, all, you know, first team All Pro. Kyle Fuller becomes available. Get on the phone. Get that dude here. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would spend way more recklessly than the nice conservative Andrew Barry does probably. You'd be John Dorsey. You'd collect <laughs> all this talent and then dump them into cap hell and then be out. And then somebody else would be like, oh, okay. Yes, exactly. But look, I, I talent. Would, 
but I would be universally, I would be in the headlines. I would be. Mary Kay's would, Mary Kay would have a better wardrobe too. <laughs> of course. Oh my God. Now I want to see Mary Kay wear a sweatshirt every day for a week. He was spotted. <laughs> he was spotted the other day in a Detroit Lions sweatshirt. I don't know if you guys saw that on Twitter. I did see that. Got the Detroit Lions sweatshirt. Well, what what do you guys think about about? I mean, did any did it cross anybody else's mind when Kyle Fuller suddenly became available? Like, wow. No. Well, let me. I want to ask you guys this, kind of related to this, and I and I just brought this up. Troy Hill is five eleven. Kyle Fuller's five eleven. Denzel Ward is not a big dude. Now, Denzel Ward, I think, actually plays bigger receivers pretty well. Does that matter to you guys? And I'm, I wonder if it matters to the Browns. I mean, Greedy Williams is 6'2". Do they need a bigger corner? Or, like, is Kyle Fuller just good enough that you take him regardless? I mean, oddly enough, he's also 29, but he just turned 29 on February or February 16th. He just turned 29. So... There is a difference between 29 and 30 when you're playing cornerback or receiver. But oddly enough, there is a little bit of a difference. Now, he's listed at 660, but he probably really is 511. It will be interesting to see how much he goes for. But I, I was intrigued by the Adoree Jacksons, the Kyle Fullers a little bit. I, I, I'm not going to lie, but that's just my... I always... If I were... If I were punctuation, I would be an exclamation point. I mean, I ask because I'm looking at some of the guys who, you know, you could end up, depends on where they go, right, in the draft and if the Browns move up or if these guys slip. Uh, you know, Patrick Sertan, the second is 6'2", 203. Uh, J.C. Horn, he's, he's 6'1". Um, another guy, Tyson Campbell, is 6'2". There's some big, some taller, bigger corners that you could maybe – get with a number 26 or trade up in the second round, whatever you want to do. I, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe they don't care if they have a tall corner and a small corner, like maybe it just doesn't matter to them, but I, I'm curious how they approach that. Yeah. I'm curious as well. Um, I've, we did a got to watch the tape on Denzel and it was one of my concerns that he plays extremely physical. Denzel does. He gets up in people's grill. He's not afraid of anyone or anything size speed, regardless there are just sometimes he gets highballed because he's five ten and the other guy's six four and it, it happens. Tyree Kill did highball him once too, but he's Tyree Kill. I think Greedy Williams does fit fit that mold of being a, a longer option on the outside. We'll find out in the draft if that is something they covet when they make a selection at corner. But something tells me that in the analytical analytical community as outside corners go if you can have the range plus the skill of course but i could see the size being something they don't look at too much and stick more to what you're capable of doing on field as i mean there's guys like jr alexander in green bay five nine five ten who is a all pro corner it's it's not as glaring of a concern uh, in football anymore just with how much stuff is going across the middle and quick game anyway Hey, it's Dan. We're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to tell you about Football Insider, where you can subscribe to get exclusive access to stories on cleveland.com slash browns. You also get a newsletter every single day with exclusive content that's written by Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, or me. It goes right to your inbox. That stuff doesn't show up anyplace else on the site. You get that every single day, including on the weekends. 
in your inbox. That's just for our Football Insider subscribers. And then there's our texting, where Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, and I will text you throughout the day with news and analysis. We do Q&As. We answer questions. We have opportunities to come on the podcast and make picks. We do roundtables, all sorts of fun things with our texters, and we're going to start putting together some stuff for you to enjoy here in the offseason. So all you need to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a big blue banner at the top of the page. Click on that banner. Get all the information you need, get yourself signed up, and get yourself access to all of that exclusive content that we have available only for our Football Insider subscribers. Rashard Higgins is back officially. He signed uh, right when we signed off yesterday. So we had a little bit of a Higgins discussion yesterday, and it ended up going on the back end of, of the podcast because it was sort of you know, so some, some suggestions of maybe where else he should sign and things like that. But I thought it was still an interesting discussion about his role. And so now I think if we don't have a full and complete picture of the secondary, we do have a full picture, I think, of what this offense looks like and who these weapons are. It's going to be a lot of the same guys. Jojo Natson is, is back in the fold. Kaderil Hodge was tendered. I would imagine he'll be back at some point. Let's kind of revisit this a little bit. Doug, this is your hashtag too many good players. Is, is there such a thing? How do So I think there's too many good players in terms of the cap, right? And that's just, again, I one is like fans having to prepare themselves for the fact that good players are going to leave this organization over the next several years because that's a sign of success. I think there's that. And then there's the keeping everybody happy part of it. So I feel guilty having a Rashard Higgins discussion without Scott Patsko here. It feels wrong. <laughs> but... He knows what he's getting himself into. And I think that matters. And so we've spent a lot of time on Rashard Higgins. He obviously, and Mary Kay, I'm sure will get into this. He must not have gotten the offers out in the world that he thought he might get because this is not a contract where the Browns really are out bidding anybody for this. This is just reasonable. But he knows Odell's back. He knows Jarvis is back. He, he knows what they think of Kaderil Hodge. He knows Donovan Peoples-Jones is coming and he chose to be here. So I don't, they don't have to try to keep him happy. They, because as Scott would say, they have not ever tried to keep him happy. And so this time, no, because it's a reasonable amount of money. It's a short commitment and he knows what's up and he's a great hedge. If somebody else gets hurt, but I would be like, if you were bringing in another guy from another team who was the Richard Higgins on another team, who's like, I'm coming here to like, to save the Browns. And it's like, listen, man, unless these guys get hurt, you're not going to play that much. That would maybe be a little more of a worry. I think in this case, no, he's, it's a good fit because he's been through it. Mary Kay, what does the contract tell you? Well, first of all, don't I get to take my little victory lap? That's true. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) I knew heading into this that the Browns wanted to sign him to a one-year deal. I thought they would probably have a pretty good chance of doing that. For whatever reason, it seems like most people thought he was going to be gone. But I always thought he was going to be back because this is kind of the only place for Richard Higgins. We talked about that last night. This is where he belongs. He belongs here with Baker Mayfield. He belongs on the field with Baker catching touchdown passes from Baker Mayfield. And I think he knows that. I wouldn't be surprised, and I haven't been able to to pin this down quite yet, but I wouldn't be surprised again if he had some kind of another offer 
to go somewhere else for something comparable and that he chose to come here and stay here because he knows, he knows where his bread is buttered and it's here. So I think it was, I think it's good. I mean, it's one of those low risk kind of things, sort of like tack was, you know, bring him in, let him do his thing. And there's just, there's just almost not a drawback to it, but it is, it is interesting that the whole entire receiving core, at least for right now, from last year is back intact, you know? I mean, everybody's back. It'll be interesting to see if it remains that way. Odell's been tweeting a lot of weird stuff <laughs> the last couple of days. Like, I don't know where he's going with any of this. Uh, I think he likes to play the game. He likes to mix it up, likes to get people thinking maybe he's possibly on the move or, or something is going on with him. Uh, I still think he'll be here. Uh, so I think this is what you see now is what you're going to get. And boy, is it going to be interesting. Boy, is it going to be interesting because what we don't know, we suspect, we think that Odell and Baker are going to be really good together. But it's a little bit of an unknown. Can I ask you guys two percentage questions here? Yes. All right. The first one. Percent chance that Rashard Higgins is an inactive in week one of this upcoming season. Keep in mind, he does not play special teams. Week one. I, th- I don't think it's very likely. I, th- I would, I would put it at 10%. How many receivers are, a- are active in a week? Typically? Usually f- four. Yeah. They went with four. So people's week. Jones is a return guy. Right. It's Odell and Jarvis. And then it comes down to Kaderil Hodge and Rashard Higgins, just like last year. And you maybe have to figure out if Jojo Netson works in somewhere here. If it counts as a receiver, I don't know. I mean, he returned kicks, but yeah, I get, yeah. 50. I know. That's, that's So Doug and I are seeing the same thing here. Okay. We can talk about that if we'd like to, but I think this next one is they're correlated. Percent chance the Browns draft a wide receiver in the 2021 draft. I think that I think there's a pretty good chance. It's a good receiver class and you have to how many times have we talked about you've got two 29-year-olds. So you kind of have to start planning for the future in that you regard you really have to. So I would say the chances of that are pretty good. I mean the smart right I I, I love and they they tried to do it a little a couple of years ago and they didn't hit on some of the guys but like to draft the guy a year early. It's like you draft Odell's replacement this year. So he's on the roster right except I think they're trying to win a Super Bowl. And they might need to draft a linebacker and an edge rusher and a fourth corner and like guys who can help them win this year in the first three rounds. And if you're drafting a receiver in the fifth round, that doesn't, that doesn't count. That's not what you're talking about. So I like the idea of it, but I think maybe they don't. And then if they lose those guys in a year, they just have to draft like a rookie receiver and play them right away. I think they need to draft defense in the first three rounds to fill in a couple more gaps because they're trying to win it all right now. But It's a great question. And Mary Kay is right. There's going to be some receivers that come across their bow that they might think about because this is a good receiver draft. Yeah. I mean, I think at some point they, they just go best player on their board and that might be a receiver. A little bit like Donovan Peoples Jones last year. We didn't think they were going to draft a receiver last year as that draft was going on. And then all of a sudden sixth round, here's Donovan Peoples Jones. Yeah. And I hear you. And I I think it might be a, it could be something like that. Just a traits guy that they really like a developmental guy that they maybe could get away with stashing. Although I, I don't believe in, I don't believe that you can redshirt guys in the NFL. I think it's right. The guy's so going to have to play eventually, but 
That's uh, it, that wouldn't surprise me. So you just can see how this gets backed up pretty quickly. I lead with the Richard Higgins inactive question to then see, are they going to add another player into this mix? And I'm not going to answer my own question because I don't know. It's, it's why I asked you three. That is great hosting. That's that Dan, right? I mean, when you start asking questions that you yourself don't Perfect. have to answer, hard, that's <laughs> well, the key to doing this. Where was this last if week? If when you just Dan kind of off? sit back, if you ask the question and let everybody else talk for a long time, and then it's like, oh, got to move on. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, it is a, it's a great question. And the truth of the matter is there, there might not be room for, for Richard to be active in week one. I see where you're going with that, but I still do think that, I mean, look, he was inactive for a couple of games last season, but there was still a place for him. And when you're paying a guy and who knows, maybe by the time the, the season rolls around, you know, I mean, I can't, I don't necessarily see them cutting him. I think they're very happy to have him back. But at $2.38 million, that's good value. Yeah. That's good value. So I don't think he's going anywhere. And if he has to be inactive for a few games because of how you have to work your roster out that week, I don't think that's going to be the worst thing in the world. I think he'll get on the field. I think he'll get some playing time. Two 29-year-old receivers coming off some surgeries. I think he'll, I think he'll get some reps. Let, let me couch it this way, and maybe this is totally wrong. Case Keenum's making is a seven million dollar cap hit for this year, for the expectation that he will never play. So two million for Rashard Higgins. That if everything goes right, he might not be very important to them. But if something goes wrong with one of the top two receivers, he all of a sudden is really important to them. Can we think about him as a backup receiver the way we think about a backup quarterback? That you go from nothing at all to one of the most important guys on the field as soon as someone else turns an ankle. So there's two things here. From the Browns' perspective, 1,000% worth it for this amount of money. It's nothing. And we know his value. From his perspective, which is kind of what you're asking about, Ellis, it's the, and what Dan said, too many good players. From his perspective, well, are you sure you're going to get a chance to play? That's his business. He chose to be here. From a yeah, Browns' he perspective, he's, he could have left. From a Browns' perspective, no-brainer. But I think he's like a backup receiver who might not play much if guys are healthy, but that's okay. And they're, they're going to have to understand that if they don't play him, fans are going to hate it. And I don't think this coaching staff is going to be phased by anything like that. I think we've learned that they are unfazed. It just gets emotionally complicated for me. What was going to be our segment or our new, our spinoff pod yesterday? <laughs> gotta feel the emotions. <laughs> gotta feel the emotions. So uh, I'm kicking off the, the, the gotta feel the emotions pod with that. It's just, look, Richard's been in a doghouse before because he got a little emotional and felt disrespected. I understand that it is, is his business and his decision to come back and his alone. You just play these scenarios out and perhaps Mary Kay, you would know better. And if he's at peace with like, Hey, you could be inactive eight times this year. Like the Richard we saw was so captivating this year and felt like a peak moment for him because he was involved. He was a crucial part of the offense. He played that role that he had in college. I mean, the car he's Colorado state's all time leading receiver. You don't stop thinking you're that guy, especially when you go out and then, show it again you have guys like 
Scott Patsko writing how you're one of the most efficient receivers in the league because there's data to back that up. And then all of a sudden you're inactive again for eight games and where's going to be that payday. Like I completely understand his decision, his alone, but for a guy who's still trying to clearly make a reputation for himself, a name for himself in this league and get that money. I'm not saying he'll become an issue in the locker room. I just, this Dan, to your point, like Brown fans being like, where's Rashard? Like, in a way, this is all connected. It will never affect Kevin Stefanski and, and GM Andrew Barry. But for the – got to feel the emotions or, again, I keep forgetting the name of the pod. But for that part of this, I, I just I – can't, I can't shake it. Well, you know what, though? You guys, there's something very important that I, I would like to get on the record here. Kevin Stefanski, we have him painted into the Gary Kubiak corner. And I think we need to get out the uh, turpentine or whatever it is and, and remove that paint because Kevin Stefanski is a very, very bright, bright coach. Okay. Just because he adopted and ran Gary Kubiak's offense in Minnesota in 2019 and that he brought that here in 2020 doesn't mean that's who he is and who he's going to be. He's got a lot of influences in his career, including Norv Turner, who ran a completely different offensive system than, and comes from a completely different football family than, than what Gary Kubiak does. It's the number system. It, I mean, they, these guys are, it's like two completely different football worlds, okay? So where I'm going with this is, and, and how many times have we heard Kevin Stefanski tell us that, that they will gear the offense to the, the really good personnel that they have? And obviously they're multiple, they, they can do so many things, but just because he was a tight end heavy guy, most of the time under Gary Kubiak and a lot of the time here last year, it doesn't mean that who, that's who he's always going to be going forward. Okay. I think that if they have Richard this year on the field and they've got Odell back and he's healthy and Jarvis is back, I think you will see more three wides this year. I, I do. I think they will play more three wides. So not only will you have him for three wides, but I think there will be times when you let your 29 year old receivers, especially the one coming off a torn ACL, perhaps uh, maybe take a couple of plays off here and there and have some kind of a, a package for Richard so that he's getting some reps, even in, you know, whatever 12 personnel or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I want to add to that real quickly uh, to Mary Kay's point. Just as recent as 2018, I believe John D. Filippo was the Vikings offensive coordinator until he was, they parted ways in the middle of the season. But for half the year, Adam Thielen led the league in receptions and Kirk Cousins was in the top five for pass attempts. And then Kevin Stefanski took over the rest of that year and called plays before they reinvented themselves and became a running football team. So to Mary Kay's point, it's happened just as recent as 2018 that Kevin Stefanski can lead and call an offense that spreads it out and throws it all over the place. So I, I'd love to see that. I don't even want to call it evolution, but just more diversity in the offense. And I'd be, I'd be, I don't want to say surprised if they went there, but it would be definitely something he's capable of doing. And I just have one sentence that I want to say about this real quick, because I know you guys want to weigh in. Let me just add one thing real super quick. He kind of had to bring the Gary Kubiak offense and throw it into play in 2020 because of COVID and everything else. He didn't have time and he was going to call the plays. He didn't have time 
to devise a new offense. That would have been Freddie Kitchens all over again in 2019, trying to bring all these different voices in from all over the place. It was like, no, we're going to run the Gary Kubiak offense. And that's what we're going to do because that's what we can do under the circumstances. But I think it's a whole new world in 2021. No, I just want to know if he's going to beat out Kadero Hodge, even if they go three <laughs> wide. So, I mean, and I'm not being smart about that because I think the thing, I think one of the key questions here is, we know what they thought of Rashard Higgins at the start of last year. They mm-hmm. thought Kadero Hodge was better. The way Rashard Higgins played after Odell went out, has he changed the perception of the Browns that they are now bringing both Hodge and Higgins back? But I bet Rashard thinks he's going to beat out Kadero Hodge for snaps and play the third most amount of snaps of the receivers, however that works out. But do the Browns think that? So I think that's part of it, Mary Kay. And I think that would be very reasonable. I mean, the dude stepped up, right? So why would we go by what it was week one last year? That doesn't mean it's going to definitely be the same. However, they're bringing back the exact same players across Mm -hmm. the offense everywhere. So on the other hand, are we 100% sure that it's going to change from a year ago? That I think is just a key key nut here, Hodger Higgins. To throw gasoline on that real quickly, and they didn't draft either of those guys. They did draft this regime draft Donovan Mm -hmm, mm Peoples-Jones. And and we've seen – as yep. recent as just 2019 at wide receiver, what happens when a GM drafts a guy cough, cough, Antonio Callaway, how they can get them onto the football field. So. Which brings me up. to the four verts. But there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of names. Here's the thing. There's a lot of names we haven't mentioned in this discussion. But Doug, you game. said, you said Richard Higgins and Kadero Hodge, right? Yep. But let's just remember you get five spots. Okay. You get five. You got five offensive linemen and a quarterback. You get five more spots. So if you're going three wide, okay, when does Kareem Hunt play? When do when does Austin Hooper and David Njoku and Harrison Bryant, when, when do all those guys play? And some of this works itself out because guys get hurt, right? But you've got guys that are going to want to be on the field. And this offense isn't built like an 11 personnel offense, you've still got four tight ends and you've got one that you paid a bunch of money to last year. And another one who really badly wants to get paid, who was tweeting his way through the countdown to four o'clock and really wants that $6 million and more, you know, this season. And the Browns kept him and hung on to him. You've got guys that aren't going to be happy if they aren't on the field. And yeah, if, if Kevin if, Stefanski if, can deal with that, if he can deal with that, great. It but feels I'm, like- I'm just saying there's like, like if, if fans all I'm, this is just a message to fans. If you want to see more Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt on the field together, then something's got to give there. You either aren't going to have three wide receivers or three tight ends. Somebody you like, isn't going to play. That's all. Whether it's Donovan people's Jones or Richard Higgins or David Njoku or Harrison Bryant or Kareem hunt, or, you know, too many good players. That's great. The Browns have a bunch of really good offensive players, but I'm just, I just want to remind everyone, somebody you like isn't going to play. And if the Browns win, great. That's all that matters. That was such a strong audition to host the Orange and Brown Talk spinoff. Too many good players. <laughs> I mean, that was just like, oh, what are we going to do? They have 13 skill guys for five spots on every play. But like, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, you're right. Right. I mean, they have three tight ends, two running backs and four or five receivers that people like. So 
I mean, and the thing is too, it's all the same guys from last year. So yeah, maybe the offense will change, but also if they like to run 12 and 13 last year, why wouldn't they like to run 12 and 13 this year? They got the three tight ends. So, I mean, it's exactly right, Dan, and it is, but it's a good problem to have, but you're exactly right. Maybe and, and that's, not, that's not even mentioning a guy like, let's say they really loved Ernest Johnson as their kick returner. Well, now there's a guy taking up a roster spot, right? Or a guy taking up a game day spot. There's, it gets complicated. That's they all. Haven't even, they haven't even drafted That's why yet. it's going to be a test for Kevin Stefanski. They should just cancel the draft. They have too many damn good players. <laughs> and by the way, I mean, do you have to play five offensive linemen on every single play? I mean, isn't that a little excessive? Well, Mary <laughs> Kay wants six birds now. Right tackle if you wanted. <laughs> and Baker. I mean, can't you just take him off the field every once in a while and let Jarvis just be the quarterback? I mean, <laughs> this solves a lot of problems. <laughs> a little wildcat. Mary Kay's on fire tonight. She's going she's gonna to cuss soon. After that. <laughs> That's right. Um, All right. How much time do we want to spend on linebackers? Malcolm Smith is back. Uh, the Browns had a, uh, a visitor today, and uh, it was – got to look this up. Anthony Walker. I don't want to say the wrong name. Anthony Walker from the Colts. Doug, you asked this yesterday. Are we okay with where the linebackers stand now? I mean, how, much, how important is the linebacker position moving forward for this football team? It's the least important position on the team, which it was last year too. So, I mean, what's less important? I don't even think there's an argument. So they weren't very good last year. I think Jacob Phillips might be better. I still think they'll draft somebody there. But I, I and I think like signing the corner, right? I mean, it all connects. So it's like, well, you signed Hill. So now maybe you don't have to think about drafting a corner as high, which means you really can make sure you target the linebacker high. So again, lurk, maybe find somebody cheap, but I think probably, and as Mary Kay said yesterday, you're probably only playing two most snaps. I, I, I think maybe, I think maybe they're okay. Unless a really good cheap guy comes along. Yeah. It's not important until the Browns make it important, like drafting someone at a linebacker at 26, right. Then all of a sudden becomes extremely important and completely changes the dynamic and the future of that linebacker room. Uh, but we talked about it a bit yesterday. This seems like a Jacob Phillips, Malcolm Smith, talky talky situation. Uh, Mary Kay, I, I want to ask you, does this close the door on BJ Goodson or it's too early to tell? It's too early to tell. I don't think it necessarily slams the door shut on BJ Goodson. I think they would like to sign Anthony Walker. I, you know, that's still definitely in play. And that's kind of one of those things where, you know, those two things are sort of hanging in the balance and you yeah. sort of figure it out, sort of like the Troy Hill, Kevin Johnson. Although I really think that, I, I really think they were going to move on from Kevin Johnson for the most part. But no, I, I think BJ Goodson is, is still a possibility. And actually, when you look at the rankings between those two guys, BJ Goodson is ranked a lot higher than Anthony Walker overall. Anthony Walker's grade is was something like 45.5 PFF. And as we have talked about, not everything is, you know, a PFF grade, but it does give you some kind of a parameter of, of a guy's value and worth. A lot of times it does line up with the decisions that are made. BJ Goodson's pretty high up there in, in some categories, very high up in tackling. So he, he has still a possibility so I, I think um, I think they'll they'll sign one of those guys, 
maybe even both of those guys. And then I think they'll draft at some, at some point they'll draft a, a linebacker, but I, I, he probably won't be the number 26 overall pick is my guess. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard for me to get excited about the position because we've seen how they value it. I like Malcolm Smith. Glad they brought him back. If they brought BJ Goodson back, fine. There's just, there's nothing that really gets me going here. Does anybody dispute that it's the least important position? No. Yeah. Like no. least important position on this team or in yeah. football? Safety well, corner, to the defensive line, defensive tackle, offensive line, tight ends, tight ends, the way they use them receiver, running back quarterback. I, I mean, I, I, there's not even an argument. Is there? No, the only, the only thing I wonder sometimes is, you know, when you, when you're trying to play like the Ravens a couple of times a year, you know, if, if you might not have to, you know, mix it up or if linebackers wouldn't be a little bit more important against their offense, and I do think that you have to gear what you do to the teams that you see the most. Um, so that's one thing that I sometimes wonder about. For the, but for the most part, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree that on this particular team and this defense, it's the least important position. Well, I think a piece of that, too, is why we see the emphasis on safeties is, you know, you have that versatility. So it's not just so you can be ready to play the Ravens twice a year but then you're also going to be ready to play the chiefs, you know, during the regular season and maybe in the playoffs. And you have that versatility kind of across the board to, to play whoever's in front of you. I think that, I feel like that's kind of the goal of what they're trying to do in the back end of that defense, including mm-hmm. a linebacker. Okay. Before we go NFL news today, a new, uh, a new deal in the works, extending some TV deals, direct TV, apparently out of the equation, now all of that stuff. But basically what it all means is, they did what they needed to do to move ahead with a 17th game. That means the Browns will play the Cardinals, I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. What do you guys think of a 17th game? I don't like it. I'm not a fan. I it's like just, the symmetry. I'm an old guy stuck in the mud. Are they whacking any preseason games? Yeah. In the trade-off? I think, yeah, I think they're going down to three. Absolutely. And I'm all for I'm all for that. And I guess I don't mind a 17th game, especially if you're getting rid of uh, the preseason game, I'm okay with it because I guess I I don't mind progress and spinning it forward and I'm I'm fine with it. And well, we all get paid more because now there's an extra game to cover. So it's good for us. That's how it works. Right. (laughs) Listen, I'm old enough. When I started covering Ohio State, college football played 11 games and then they added a 12th game. And the minute you add the game, you're like, we can't live without it. So like they're never going back. Because as soon as you add the money for it, everybody spends the money immediately. Mm-hmm. And there's a line, right? So could they play 30 NFL games in a regular season? No, that's too many. Okay. Well, they, they're playing now. They're going to play 17. Could they play 18? Well, I don't know. How about 25? No, 25. So there's a line, but where is the line? You don't know where the line is and it's until you try it. So as long as there's a trade-off for preseason games – I don't know. There's, there's a, there's bodies and brains on the line. So there is a point where the human body, you are probably pushing it too far, but I don't know how you decide where that is. And the problem is that every game you play, you will make money off of it. So at some point I like the 17th game, but if in five years we're having a conversation about an 18th game and five years after that, we're having a conversation about a 19th game, there's a breaking point, right? And somebody's going to have to realize there's a breaking point before somebody gets broken because the money 
is always going to push you that direction. Obviously, this is where the Players Association comes in. And so they're working it out. The problem in college football is there's no Players Association. They didn't ask the college players if they wanted to play 12. They didn't give them anything for playing 12. They just said, you're playing 12 now. So as long as they agree on this, I don't know. 17 sounds good to me. As far as I can tell, people seem to like football. And (laughs) nobody likes the preseason. So four preseason games... That's too many preseason games. So if that's the trade-off, sounds good to me. When you look at the amount, the absolutely mind-blowing amount of these television contracts and the $10 billion uh, that they're making, you can just see uh, that the game, there's just an enormous, voracious, insatiable appetite for the game of football and for the NFL. And it is just growing. And now it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be streaming on Amazon, right? I mean, it's going to be on all different kinds of platforms. I don't even think they have tapped into the global market yet the way that that they still can and will when it's more readily available. So, I, I, you know, I, I, I just think that this is the way that, that it's going. They're just going to have to have more players available on Sundays. They're going to have to expand rosters. They're going to have to be uh, a lot more generous with letting guys go on injured reserve for three weeks and come back off. You know, they're going to have to be creative in the way that they do it. But I just think that you just, people cannot get enough. I love that short-term IR, by the way. Yeah, it's good. That was great. Yeah, I I completely agree with that, Dan. I'm wondering, can people not get enough of football or – do they love betting on football? <laughs> I think that's where I think that's where we're headed. And, and fantasy, and you know, and fantasy is such a big, huge, enormous thing too. Uh, but what this brings us back to is the fact that Richard Higgins and Donovan Peoples Jones can play six games, more snaps. Then, yeah, more snaps for them, and then Kadero Hodge and JoJo Natson can. <laughs> they just rotate them. Yeah. Yeah, just an extra game. I will I will say this quickly about the, the 17th game. We're trending towards an 18th game, but it being a playoff game. I, I Adding that, eliminating the buys. I think they're just going to eliminate the buys altogether eventually, uh, which will just turn into then teams resting guys in week 17. It, it'll just end up looking kind of how it does now, but it means more games on TV. I The only reason I don't like the 17th game is because – there's no more eight and eight records. We're not going to be able to, be able to say symmetry. 10 and six anymore. Symmetry. I'm going to, I'm just going to be all mixed up in like week 15, trying to figure out what team's records are. And that is going to get confusing, but get, keep, get rid of two more preseason games if they want that. I'm, I'm cool for that. We'll start with one. And I guess that's the best we can get. I like the idea of either have a winning record or you have a losing record. I think yeah. that's good. No more of this, like eh, 500. Jeff Fisher <laughs> or Jeff Fisher. I, I think eventually they're going to have to add a second buy. If they want to go to 18, they've got to give these guys another bye week. That, that surprised me. And I wonder if they're going to try like, cause that those Thursday night games are kind of a mini buy. So if they could find a way not to give teams multiple Thursday night games, but to make those weekends longer or to change your practice schedule to give you a, a longer weekend, there's, you'd think there'd have to be something there for throwing in a game, but maybe money solves everything. I mean, they, they could go that you could go to three or four buys because then you're extending the weeks of the season without adding wear and tear or games on the players, but you're adding more 
TV revenue because the, the biggest thing at the moment is they still stack too many games on top of each other. And at some point they're going to figure out we're not going to play any games at the same time. Why are we doing this? Like every game in and of itself is such a valuable piece of property. I mean, if you told me you get to a point where you have a 22 week season and you play 18 games in 22 weeks and you start it in mid August and the Super Bowls in April, I mean, right. It sounds crazy. Now get back to me when the TV contracts worth a trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you, Doug. We, we got to have a round table where we just make up crazy NFL rules and schedule rules. And Doug can pitch his, his August to April schedule idea. And I'll rant you about deserve, replay. You deserve an internship with Roger Goodell for that one. That's, that's exactly <laughs> where that should be headed. All right. I think we hit everything here on our final round table of the week on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I know you guys have a got to watch the tape already recorded, and that's going to come out on Monday for everyone, if I'm not mistaken. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast. And of course, check out Football Insider, cleveland.com slash Browns. It's the blue banner up at the top of the page. We've been doing a lot of texting this week, a lot of texting around free agency analysis, news, Uh, I would imagine everything you would want, answering questions, all of that. And that's all part of Football Insider if you go check that out at cleveland.com slash brown. So for Mary Kay, Doug, and Ellis, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.